Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. How's everybody doing? Those of you that are watching online, we're glad that you're here with us. Hope you had a, re- a good so far, good summer, good kind of good start to your summer. I know some of you just getting back from the first trip. Uh, some of us are going to be taking some vacations here in the next few weeks. And uh, man, we have a lot planned. If you were here last week, uh, we had a good time after church, had Kona Ice here, and uh, we were able to talk about, and a lot of you signed up for a lot of the events this summer. And so if you didn't get a chance, if you weren't here last week on your way out today, make sure you stop by the Next Steps table. There's a calendar of all the events going on this summer, and I uh, want to make sure you know about those because there's a lot going on, and, and we want to uh, just allow you to, to know so you can be involved. Uh, One of the things that you, maybe you do similar to me, uh, during the summer, uh, as you kind of prepare for vacation, one of the things a lot of people do is they say, you know what, I want to choose a a book to read kind of on vacation. And you kind of imagine yourself with your favorite book on a beach somewhere or wherever that is in a cabin. And and, and you think, all right, man, at least on the front end of the summer, you think, oh, here's a couple books that I'm going to work my way through. And so maybe you're the type of person that you love a good story. And so you've been kind of perusing Amazon for like a a good fiction book that you're going to pick up for your vacation. Maybe you're somebody that you enjoy traveling. And so for you, you're going to pick up a book about maybe a favorite destination, or maybe it's the the destination that you're going to go to, and you're going to pick up a book to to read a little bit about that. Uh, Maybe you're, you're the type of person that says, you know what? I'm not a big reader. I watch my books on Netflix, and that's what I enjoy doing, and and so you've got a a few shows that you're going to watch. For me, if I'm picking out a book for kind of the summer, or kind of if I had to go and pick out a favorite book, I'm going to pick out probably a biography, and I enjoy reading biographies, something about sports, or a, a coach, or politics, or you know, somebody's real life. I enjoy reading biographies, and and one of the books that I read a few years ago that's kind of a biography written by a coach uh, is a book called Wooden on Leadership, and if you you know anything about John Wooden, he he coached the UCLA basketball team from about the mid-1940s to the mid-1970s, and John, he's considered by far, hands down, the best college basketball coach ever. In fact, he's considered in in a lot of circles maybe the best coach of any sport ever. And and here's why. He won 12 national championships, which is unheard of. And what's even more unheard of is he actually won seven in a row. So for seven years in a row, his team won the national championship. 
Uh, his team was made up, and, and over those 30 years, he had some of the greatest basketball players literally in the history of the sport. Uh, he had a guy that uh, we know as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He had a guy by the name of Bill Walton. That, that man, were our guys that are in the NBA Hall of Fame, that man just did incredible things in college and in the pros. And, and he had a lot of those guys in his, on his team over those 30 years. And here's one of the things about John Wooden that was super interesting as I read this book. One of the things that he did is he was a guy that from the beginning of practice and then all the way to the end of the year, he relentlessly focused in on the fundamentals. Relentlessly focused in on things that you would think, man, with, with players that good, you don't even need to talk about those things. He relentlessly focused in on the basics. One of the stories in his book is when he would start practice at the beginning of the year, one of his first lessons to his guys was how to put their socks on. And if you played sports back in the day in basketball, you remember these type of socks that you like, like they came up to your thigh almost like you just stretch those things out. And, and can you imagine sitting down with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, one of the greatest basketball players in the history of the sport and saying, hey, buddy, have a seat and let coach teach you how to put your socks on today. But yet that's what he did. He, he focused on the fundamentals. He focused on the smallest things that you would think, why would you even waste time talking about that? But to him, it was really, really important. And, and he, the, the question you think of is, man, why does he do that? Why would you spend time focusing in on the basics or going back to the basics and talking about things that honestly people should just know? Why would you focus in on the fundamentals? And the reason is he knew that he needed to. He knew that for him as a basketball coach, no matter how talented the player was, and he had some of the greatest players in history, no matter how good they did the year before, he knew that if he didn't focus in on the fundamentals, that people would forget things. That they would begin to, man, they would begin to get sloppy. They would begin, even some of these great athletes, they would begin to have bad habits. And so he focused relentlessly on the basics. And, and, and here's the thing. The, the reality of needing to focus in on the basics so that we don't forget things, so that we don't get sloppy, so that we don't create bad habits, is not just something that deals with sports. But honestly, it's, it's something that affects most areas of our life. And, and here's what I mean. It, maybe whether you're thinking about your finances, whether you're thinking about parenting, whether you're thinking about relationships or your faith, for most of us, we don't need to hear new information. Like, like, do you really need new information to help you manage your money better? Like information you've never heard before? Probably not. You, you've probably heard all of the information you need about how to budget your money and how to do things well. Like, we don't need, in most cases, a lot of new information. But what we need is we need to focus in and apply the fundamentals, the basics. And, and this area is, and you maybe have seen this, and it might be why you even walked away from the church for a season. 
This, you, you see this in the church, and here's what I mean. You, in, in the church world, unfortunately, there's some people that think they're on the varsity squad as a Christian. And so, they, you know what? They, they, they went to the Bible study. They, they went to the missions trip. They, they took the class. And so they're kind of on the varsity team now, and, and the basics are for the other people, and the basics, man, I, I hope they learn that. I hope they apply that. Well, pastor, that's a great message. I'm glad so-and-so was here to hear that. And it's almost like, you know what, once I've taken the class, once I've done the Bible study, once I've gone on the missions trip, once I've, oh, I give a little bit of my money, once I've done the, these things, I kind of graduate from the basics. And this is an issue that is in the church today, but it's an issue that has been in the church for thousands of years. People that have kind of on their own decided, you know what, I've kind of graduated from the elementary things. I've kind of graduated from the basics. And so I, I, I'm glad that's there for the people that really need it, but I've kind of graduated from that. And so, you know what, I'm going to do some other things. And about 2,000 years ago, when we started this letter last week, this guy by the name of John wrote a letter to kind of deal with some of this. Because John was a guy that walked with Jesus. He was one of Jesus' best friends. He was one of Jesus' disciples. And towards the end of his life, he writes this letter to some people that, that will take the letter and they will kind of send it around the world to these little churches. And he writes a letter to help people and remind them of some things that they've heard a hundred times. And he reminds them of the basics because a lot of people that he was writing to were kind of starting to feel like, you know what? That's for the JV players. We've kind of graduated that. And so you see John, as he writes in 1 John, this, this short letter, he focuses in on the basics. And whether you're here or you're watching online, and you, maybe you, you feel, maybe you never would have said this, but maybe you felt, you know what? If there is a varsity Christian team, I'm definitely on it. Again, you probably never said that. Or maybe you're the other side. You would say, you know what, I've, I'm kind of coming back to the church. I'm still skeptical of this whole Jesus thing. I don't, I don't really know all the basics. And no matter where you find yourself, I would encourage you to lean in as John talks to us about some things that for some of you, you have heard it a hundred times. And you don't need a lot more new information, but, but like me, you may have grown up with it, but we just need to really apply what we've already heard. But for others of us, you'd be, you might say, you know what, I've, I've been skeptical of this whole Jesus thing, and for you this morning, it's a chance for you to lean in to find out, hey, what's really at the heart of this thing? And so look with me at 1 John chapter 2. As John, he continues this letter, we started last week, and he starts it this way. He says this, he says, my little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. So, so John's not talking to his actual physical kids, but he's talking to people that he's influenced spiritually. He's kind of a spiritual father to them. 
And what he's saying to them, he says, hey, my little children, this is a term of endearment. He loves these people. These aren't just random people he's writing to. These are people he cares about. He says, I'm writing to you so that you won't sin. And you're like, well, man, is that an option? Like, is there an option or like a juice I drink or a pill I take and I can actually not sin anymore? No, here's what he's saying. He's saying, you know what? Before you knew Jesus, before you had a relationship with Christ, you could not sin. It was just who you were. But now that you have a relationship with Christ, there's a power inside you that is in you that will help you overcome sin. He says, my children, my spiritual kids, I'm writing to you to help you overcome sin. He goes on and he says this. He says, but if anyone does sin, he's like, I I know we still, until we see Jesus, we still got some ugly in us. And so, though we have the power to overcome sin, man, there's still some ugly in us, and so we're still going to, you know, sin. We're still going to be selfish sometimes. And so he says, but if you do sin, we have an advocate. This word advocate is this idea of, of a mediator, of, a, of someone that is there to defend. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And what John, John's doing here is I want you to imagine a courtroom. And if you were to imagine a courtroom, and, and you've been in a courtroom maybe, or you've watched Judge Judy, so you kind of know what a courtroom's supposed to look like. Well, well imagine that the, the judge is God. And then there's, there's an accuser. And one of the names that the evil one that Satan has given in the Bible, he's the accuser. And so what John's imagining and what he's explaining to us is that, hey, there's this accuser that's saying, you know what? Hey, did you see what Chris did? Did you see what Chris thought? Do you know what Chris was thinking? What he did in his past? And he's accusing me and you before God. But then there's a defender, there's an advocate, there's a mediator, and his name's Jesus. And here's what Jesus is there to do. Paid for, paid for, paid for. That thought, paid for, it was already taken care of, God. Yeah, the, the lust, the greed, the gossip, the this, the, all, the, all these things that, that the evil one accuses us of. There's a mediator, there, there's an advocate, there's a defender that's saying, hey, Stop it. All of that has been taken care of. God, it's been taken care of. It's been, I've taken care of it. It is all paid for. And this is what John is saying. He's saying, man, if you sin, you need to know this, that you have an advocate. If you have a relationship with God, you have an advocate that stands before the throne of God and defends you. He defends you. And and here's the thing. Some of the things that, man, the biggest struggles that maybe you have or that I have in our lives, one of the biggest struggles is dealing with shame. We we deal with shame. We, We deal with, we know what type of person we really are. We know some of the mistakes and sin that we made. In, like, we know our past. We, we, we put on a front for everybody else, but, but we know what's inside of us. 
and, and there's, there's an accuser, and, and that accuser, his name is Satan, and his, his job is to say, you know what? Are you, are you really trying to live for God? You forget what you were like a few years ago? You forget what you did two months ago? You forget, and he's an accuser, but yet we have a defender. We have a defender that stands before God, and he's there to help us to say, man, stop. Put the shame to bed, because all those things that you're talking about, it's as if they don't exist. They have been thrown away. They have been paid for. I shed my blood. It's over. It's finished. John goes on and he says, he himself, talking about Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Basically what John's saying is, hey, the the reason that, that it's been paid for, the reason that you have a mediator, the reason that Jesus is able to defend you has nothing to do with how good you are. It has nothing to do with your good works. It has nothing to do with what what you've done. It has everything to do with what Jesus did. Yes, you're not innocent. Yes, we're not good enough. But Jesus says, based on what I did, it's taken care of. And again, John's talking about the basics. He's talking about stuff that these people have probably heard a hundred times. But he's reminding them that Jesus is the mediator. He's the go-between. He's the one that stands up for you when the accuser comes. And he stands up for you and for me, not based on how good we are or how innocent we are, but 100% based on his death and resurrection for us. And John's like, you need to remember that. And then he goes on and he, he uses a word that he uses 23 times in this letter, the word know. He uses it a couple times. He says this. He says, this is how we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. John wanted the reader of this letter to be confident in their relationship with God. He, he wanted them to know that they know that they know that they have a relationship with God that cannot be taken away. He wanted them to have confidence. I remember as a little kid struggling with assurance of my salvation. So when I was uh, in a little kid, I remember understanding very clearly that I was a sinner, that I had disobeyed God. I remember understanding very clearly that Jesus died on the cross and paid for my sin and that he rose from the grave. And I remember, I remember the night when my mom was kind of tucking me into bed and she would do some devotions or we would read a verse before bed. And I remember the night that I talked to my mom and she kind of led me in praying and making a decision to follow Jesus. I remember it. But then I remember a season of my life where I would lay up in bed at night and I would think, but did I really mean it? Did I, did I really mean it? Am I really a Christian? Did I really, like if I was to die tonight, am I? And so I would, all right, let, let me just run through it one more time, God. All right, and I would say, say the prayer again. All right, I think I feel good. I can go to bed now. Uh, next night, I, I would come to that place. Or it's like, well, did I really mean it last night? If I didn't mean it when I was a little kid, did I mean it last night? Or man, just, just in case, you know, let me go again. 
And I, I remember a season of my life that, man, I, I struggled with the assurance of my salvation. I remember like d- having this, what does mean it really mean? And, and, and what kind of wonder in that? And, and over and over, just praying the prayer and, all right, God, I, I really do believe, I, I promise. And John's like, you know what? I don't want you to live that way. I, I'm writing to you. So you don't have to lay up in bed every night and pray the prayer again and wonder if you really have a relationship with God. I'm writing to you because I want you to know and be confident in your relationship with God. Because here's the thing, a lack of confidence leads to a lack of impact. Think, of, think about a little kid. Think about a little kid that gets up to bat and is afraid of the ball. Man, man, that little kid gets up to bat and he's afraid of the ball. He's not going to do real well. Like a, a lack of confidence in anything leads to a lack of impact. And if I'm not confident in my relationship with God and I think it's like, man, if I, if I do the wrong thing, I say the wrong thing, I, I, I lose this thing. Man, you think I'm going to be much of an impact for the kingdom of God? And so John's like, man, I want you to know. He, he goes on. And he continues, and he says this, the one who says, I have come to know him, the one who says, I have a relationship with God, and yet doesn't keep his commandments, his commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So for John, he was, seems to be a pretty black and white guy. And basically what John's saying is, man, for someone that has an authentic relationship with Jesus cannot persistently break God's commands. Like there, there's got to be something. If, if somebody is really a follower of Jesus and has a relationship with God, then, then he is going to be obedient to God's commands. Not perfectly, of course, but, but, but he's going to be or she's going to be a person that, man, is growing to be more like Jesus. And when they do something that is outside of God's plan, it should bother them. But if someone can just live and live and oppose God and oppose God's commands and oppose what God said and, and do things the way that God said not to, and it doesn't bother them and they're not growing, John's like, eh. You may not have a relationship with God. You may want to check that. Because there was people in that he was writing to that, again, had forgotten the basics. They, 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 some things that should have been really clear, they were making real fuzzy. John goes on in verse 5, he says, But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. He says, This is how we know that we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked, should grow to look and act more like Jesus. And and here's the thing. It's not a race. It's not a race. And so there's, there's some people that, man, they start a relationship with God and their life radically changes immediately. Like it's a totally different person. But then there's other people that, man, they start a relationship with God and it's a process where God is, man, 
changing something, and, and it's, it's continued growth. It's continued becoming more like Jesus, but it, it maybe isn't as fast as somebody else, but, but there's movement, there's growth. And, and John's saying, hey, if, if you want to know that you know that you know him, there should be something in you that is becoming more like Jesus. It might not be as fast as somebody else. You might be faster than another person, but there's something inside of you that is steady becoming more like Jesus. You're beginning to love what Jesus loved. You're beginning to act the way Jesus acted. You're beginning to look like him. He goes on in verse, verse 7. Dear friends, again, these are, these are people he's tight with, people he loves. He says, I'm not writing a, you a new command. So he's saying, I'm not writing you something you've never heard before. I'm not writing you a new command. He goes on, but an old command that you have had from the beginning. The old command is the word you have heard. And so here's the command he's talking about. So these people from the very beginning of their life, and you've you had some things like this in your family. There's some things that your mom and dad said to you that were just, they said it just crazy, monot- I mean, just over and over and over. There were rules, there were sayings, there were just things in your family that they just, like you could repeat it and you're starting to sound like your mom and dad because you repeat it without even thinking about it because it was just something from the beginning of your life that you just learned. It was just the way your family did things. And for a Jewish kid, what they would learn, what would be on the doorpost, what would be on the coffee cups, on the pillows, everywhere they went was this. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. It was everywhere. They were taught this from the beginning, repeated it every day, probably several times a day. I mean, it was, if they had airplanes, there were airplanes with like the thing behind it with messages on it. It was flying around all day. It was something they heard and saw all the time. So John's saying, what I'm telling you isn't something you've never heard before. It's something that as a kid, you've learned it from the beginning. But then he says something that almost seems to contradict himself. Look at the next verse. Again, he's talking about basics. Love God, love your neighbor, these things. But then he says this, and it's like, John, are you like, is there something you're smoking there? Because it seems like you're saying something totally opposite. He says, Yet I am writing you a new command. Well, John, you just told me this wasn't a new command, that this was something old. I've heard it from forever. But now in the very next phrase, you're saying, no, I'm writing you a new command, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. And here's what he means. He's not like not knowing what he's saying. Here's what he means. He's saying, you know, what? from the very beginning, when you were a little kid, you were taught to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. You've, you know that. But then this Jesus guy came. And Jesus took this old command and he added more weight to it. And he taught it in a fresh way. And he didn't just teach it. He was it. And no longer was it love your neighbor as yourself. It was love your neighbor the way I loved you. Is what Jesus said. Yeah, you learned it from the beginning to love your neighbor as yourself. But, but what I'm telling you is 
you know, that, that's great. But what I want you to do is I want you to love people the way I love you. And he, they know now the story, like he sacrificed his life for them. So John's saying this, this old command that you've heard from the beginning, Jesus has taken this old command and he's put more weight to it. And he's, he's showing you what he wants for you. And then he goes on, he says in verse 9, because think about it. If you know Jesus, if you have a relationship with God, one of the things that it should affect in your life, and John says this, and you'll see it all throughout his letter, is how you love other people. And so John, he's, he's saying... He's talking about basics, about fundamentals. He's talking about how you can know that you know that you have a relationship with God. Unfortunately, there's a, a, a group of people even in our world today that say, you know what? I know Jesus and my theology gives me like the ability or kind of the, it lets me off the hook from actually loving people. And so you have, you have people that call themselves a Christian, that people that call themselves followers of Jesus, people that can quote Bible verses, and they actually point to Bible verses to justify why they treat people terribly. And John's saying, let, let me go back to the basics and, and remind you how you can know that you know him. It is by keeping his commandments. And one of the, the most basic commands that he gives you is love people. And so if you say you have a relationship with God, but yet you don't love people, you may want to check that. He goes on. He says that the one who says he is in the light, the one who says he has a relationship with God, but hates his brother or sister is in darkness until now. See, hatred runs counter to who Jesus is. There's no justification in any scenario to hate someone. Because hatred runs basically opposite of what Jesus stood for, who Jesus is. And, and John, remember, he's not just writing to like just random people. He's writing to specific people with specific situations. And so there, there, there must be specific people that he's writing to that are somehow saying, you know what, I have a relationship with God. I took the Bible study. I went on the missions trip. But yet they're justifying hating other people. They're justifying treating other people disrespectfully, harming other people. And John's saying... You don't know the Jesus that I spent time with. Because if you know that Jesus, there's no place in your life to hate somebody else. He goes on in verse 10 and he says, The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light. And there is no cause for stumbling in him. No, see, he says, the, the one who loves, the one who cares for, the one who is unselfish the way Jesus was, that's the person who's walking in the light. That's the person who has a relationship with God. And, and when, when someone loves like that, they don't cause other people to fall or stumble. And, and here's what he means. And some of you have experienced this. 
you've been hurt deeply by people. Maybe you've been hurt deeply by people that would claim to follow God and follow Jesus. And though you aren't going to justify your bad decisions or your sin, and you can't blame somebody else for your decisions, what you would say is, hey, the way I was treated really stoked the fire for me to make some bad decisions. Again, I'm not blaming anybody. I I can't blame someone for my bad decisions. But the way I was treated, the way I was hurt, the way this person was around me, man, that, that stoked the fire in me, and it really pushed me in some bad directions. And what John's saying is saying, somebody that walks in the light, somebody that has a relationship with God, somebody that loves other people the way Jesus did, is somebody that's not going to push other people in any way to make decisions that are contrary to God's word and God's best. See, again, I'm not responsible for someone else's sin, but I am responsible before God for how I love and treat other people. And hate, manipulation, revenge have no place in a follower of Jesus' life. This statement is, is so true. Our lives and the way we treat people should help them follow Jesus, not give them reason to sin. Let me read that again. Our lives, so the way we live, our example, and the way we treat people, should help them follow Jesus, should stoke the fire of them saying, man, I I, want to follow Jesus. You have something I don't have. It shouldn't give them a reason to sin. It shouldn't push them farther away. And what was happening, obviously, because John's writing it, is there was people that were treating other people in a hateful way, in an unloving way, And their hatred and their hurt was then causing these other people to fall and stumble and make bad decisions. And John's saying, it just shouldn't be that way. Not not if you're really a follower of Jesus. Not if you're you're really somebody that's becoming more like Jesus in your life. You, you, You should be helping move people. I mean, if you remember Jesus, if you read through the Gospels when Jesus was here on earth... Man, his life, just his example, the way he treated people, some of the the, the people that were like evil in the society, people that were looked down for their bad decisions, they were seeking after Jesus. They were on the front row when he taught because his life and his message, the way he loved people was drawing people to follow him. Where a lot of the religious leaders of the day, it was the opposite. The, the people that said they knew the most about religion, that, that, that went to church the most, they were some of the people that were treating others terribly, and they were actually pushing people farther away from a relationship with Jesus. John says this in verse 11. He says, but the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness walks in the darkness and doesn't know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. He says, the person, and you see this, the person that hates, the person that treats others disrespectfully and hurtfully, 
They, they walk in darkness. They wander aimlessly. They don't have a sense of direction. They're blinded by their hate. They're blinded by their hurtfulness. And John, what he does is he, he kind of closes this section reminding people that, hey, what I just said isn't for the JV team or the varsity team. What I just said is for every single person. Look what he says in verse 12. He says, I'm writing to you, little children, since your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. And, and what little children means is people that are new to faith, people that, man, they, they're, they're new to faith. They have a basic knowledge of God. They're you know, just starting to grow. He's saying, you know, I'm writing to you. But then he goes on. He says, I'm also writing to you fathers. And he uses the word fathers to describe men and women who are much more mature in their, in their faith. He says, I'm, I'm writing to you because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. You're the, you're the person that has a deep knowledge of God. You have been following him for a long time. I'm, I'm writing to you as well. But then he says this, he says, I'm also writing to you young men. He's talking to men and women that are kind of, man, they, they're not new to faith, but they haven't been following Jesus forever. They have a relationship with God. They're growing. He says, hey, I'm writing to you as well because you've conquered the evil one. And then John is like, in case you didn't hear the last part, and in case you still think I wasn't talking to you, he says basically in verse 14, the same thing he just said. Verse 14, he says, I've written to you, children, because you have come to know the Father. I've written to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. God's word remains in you, and you have conquered the evil one. John wants to make sure that nobody has questions like, hey, I'm, this is for everyone. Whether you're, man, brand new, maybe you're still skeptical of the whole Jesus thing, all the way to the person that has been following Jesus for decades and knows the word of God deeply and is a very spiritual person. He's saying, I'm writing to you. The things I've said to you are vital that you grab hold of, that you understand the basics. See, John... He had spent a lot of time with Jesus. He was the only disciple at the cross. He was the only one of the disciples that was at the cross when Jesus died. He was the first disciple to the tomb. The first disciple to see that there was no body in the tomb, that Jesus had risen from the grave. He, he was the first one. And, and now he's the last disciple alive. All the other disciples have been killed. And he's the last one that, that actually saw and spent time with Jesus. He's the last one on earth. And so as he's writing, he writes this letter. He, he addresses people in all these different places in their faith. And he wants to remind them of some of the basics, some of the fundamentals, some of the same things that he saw lived out in the person of Jesus. Some of the things Jesus had taught him. And I'm not sure whether you're online or you're here this morning, we're all in a different place. I'm not sure where you are as it relates to faith, but probably there's, there's some of you that are either watching online or you're here this morning that, that you haven't embraced Jesus because to you it's, it's honestly just a little bit complicated. 
And so you, you haven't been able to really wrap your hands around it. It's, it seems a little complicated to you. Maybe for others, you're someone that says, yeah, man, I, I have. I've, I've followed Jesus. I've made that decision in my life. I'm a follower of Jesus. You would say, I'm a Christian. But maybe you're the person, and you probably have never said it this way, but you kind of think you're a varsity Christian. And that some of the basics are good for other people, but you don't necessarily need them. You're past those things. And John, if anybody was past the basics, John would have been that guy. Because he actually was with Jesus more than any other person. But, but John, as he writes this letter, he reminds us of the importance of the fundamentals. He reminds us of the importance of putting our socks on the right way. And, and as John kind of closes this, this part of the letter, he just reminds us of a, of a few statements that if you're someone that really grasps the fundamentals, these are statements that would be true from your mouth. And the first statement is this, I need Jesus. Yeah, I, I need Jesus for salvation. I need Jesus for eternity, of course. But you know what? I need Jesus not to gossip tomorrow. I need Jesus not to lust. I need Jesus not just in eternity. I need Jesus to, to love my family well. If you're someone that really grasps and, and understands that, man, the basics are for me, then, then this is a statement that, that you should believe deeply and that you could say out of your own mouth, I need Jesus today as much as I did at any other point in my life. John understood this. I need Jesus. But, but the second statement that if you understand that you need Jesus and that the fundamentals are important to you and, and you're not past those, another statement that would be true that would come out of our mouth is this. I'm becoming more like Jesus. John talked about it. He said, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, and he, he said it this way, you're going to walk as he walked. And so if I'm someone that is in that process, there should be, a, just over the years, there should just be a difference in me. I should look more like Jesus today than I did last year at this time. And for some of you, when you hear a statement like that, you, you, you've automatically, because of how you kind of grew up in, in the religious, kind of a religious circle, you automatically think effort, more work, more boxes to check. But this statement is built on one word. It's the word intimacy. It's not, not on the word, hey, like more bricks, less straw, more hard work, do more for Jesus, check more boxes. No, 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 no. To become more like Jesus, because here's the thing. For some of you, you checked all those boxes and you didn't look more like Jesus. There's been times in my life that I was checking every box and I was looking less like Jesus because becoming more like Jesus doesn't have anything to do with checking more boxes. It has a lot to do with intimacy with Jesus, getting to know Jesus, spending time with Jesus. 
And as I do that, as I spend time with Jesus, I begin to look more like him. And yes, it affects my life. And yes, it affects my good works. But it's built on intimacy, not effort. The last statement that would be true if if we're someone that really understands the fundamentals and is leaning in, the last statement that we would be able to say is this, I love people and treat them well. See, Jesus, he, he loved people that were nothing like him. He cared for people and treated them with respect. He literally died for people as they were spitting in his face and, and, and being obnoxious. I mean, he, he literally asked God, God, forgive these people that are doing these cruel things to me because they don't even know what they're doing. If I'm someone that is leaning into the basics, like John encouraged the reader to, I'm going to be someone that can say, you know what? I love people and I love them well, the way Jesus did. And whether you've been following Jesus for a long time, or maybe you're new to faith, or maybe you're still investigating faith, let me ask you a question. And here's, this is the thing I'll close with. Doesn't matter where you are, and, and you, man, you put yourself where you think you are. Maybe you're like, man, I literally don't even know if I believe in the Jesus thing. Or you're over here and you're like, man, I have been following Jesus Christ longer than you have been on planet Earth. And, and it's everywhere in the middle. What if this summer, no matter where you're at, you said, you know what? This summer, I'm going to remind myself how to put my socks on. This summer, I'm going to just spend time leaning in to the basics. I'm going to lean in to the basic truth. Some of the things that for some of you, you have literally heard a hundred times or more. What if this summer you said, you know what, I'm going to lean in to the basics. Maybe, maybe for you it would be just taking your Bible this, this summer and, and, and going to one of the Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And saying, I'm just going to read through one of the Gospels because the Gospels are basically the life of Jesus. I'm just going to lean into one of those. I'm going to read it slow. I'm not going to get in a hurry. I'm just going to listen and read and allow the life of Jesus to impact me. I want to see what Jesus was really like. What if you did that? What if you maybe picked up a a commentary, a devotional commentary on 1 John and said, you know what? And, And here's a good one. This is one I'm reading right now. It's called Be Real, and it's just a devotional commentary through the book of 1 John. What if you just said, you know what, I'm just going to like lean into 1 John this summer. I'm get a devotional commentary. I'm, gonna, I'm not even sure what I believe about all this stuff, but I'm going to just, instead of just coming to church on Sunday and hearing somebody talk about it, I'm just really going to lean into it throughout the week and ask God to, to help and remind me of some of the basics. For some of you, it might be, you know what, I've... I, I've never done this before, Chris, but I'm going to pick a couple of like the key verses out of 1 John, and I'm just going to memorize them this summer. 
uh, maybe you've done that a lot in your life, or maybe it's like, I've never done that, but this summer I'm just going to pick a few of those verses and I'm going to just try to memorize them. I just want to lean into some of the basic truths that John shares with us. I don't know what it is for you, but, but what would it look like? If, if whether you're somebody that's kind of over here, still kind of leaning in, not sure what you believe, or, or you're somebody that's been following Jesus for a long time, what if this summer you just leaned in to those basics again? I mean, imagine how, how God might work in your life, how, how God might work in your relationships, what God might do in our church if we just leaned into some of these basic things as a church, but also individually this summer. Here's what I know. We will not regret, and in some cases it literally is a hundred times, but we will not regret taking a few months out of our life and leaning into some things that for some of us we've heard hundreds of times. We won't regret that. It'll, it'll change our life. It'll change our church. Or we can, you know what, we can do the the normal thing and we can just kind of come to church and hope the guy up front gets out on time hope i get a little nugget so i can be nice to people throughout the week and go home that's what most people do but what if you didn't what if you said you know what i'm going to lean in i'm going to lean into the fact that i need jesus i'm going to just lean into that I'm going to lean into the fact that Jesus literally stands between me, stands between Satan and God, and he, man, he is my advocate. When shame begins to come on me this summer, I'm going to remind myself of the basics. And then I'm, when, I, when I'm tempted to hate somebody that believes something a little differently than me or leans differently politically, when I'm tempted to get upset about those people, I'm going to remind myself of the basics that I'm going to love God and I'm going to love my neighbor as Jesus loved me. I'm going to remind myself I'm never going to graduate out of that class. What if we just did that? What might God do in our heart and in our life this summer? Lord, Thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you for how patient you are with us. Lord, we, I know I do. I, sometimes things that I've heard hundreds and in some cases thousands of times, I look past. And I feel like I'm past those things. But then I look into my life and I see, man, some of those basic things are the, the very things I need to be leaning into. God, I pray for this gathering. That this summer that we, whether we're watching online or, or we're here this morning, that we would just make a commitment to lean in. To, to pick up the scriptures and, and just slowly walk through maybe a gospel or, or this letter, 1 John, and allow your spirit to just remind us of things and not to quickly go by verses of, of things that we've already heard or know, but that you would take your word and your spirit and you would remind us of the basics. Lord, we need you. 
If you're here today or maybe you're watching online with every head bowed and every eye closed and you would say, hey, Chris, man, I'm, I don't have a relationship with God yet. I'm someone that's kind of been investigating faith. But maybe today as we've been talking, you've, you've just felt led to say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I don't have it all figured out, Chris, yet, but I'm ready to step over the line and start a relationship with God. How would I do that? With every head bowed and every eye closed, it's, it's simple. Just between you and God. Just tell God what's in your heart. Tell God, God, I, I admit to you that I've sinned, that I've disobeyed you. Just tell him. And then just tell him, God, I, I don't have it all figured out, but I do believe that Jesus died for me and that he rose from the grave. I, I believe that. And then just ask God to just come into your life. God, come into my life. I want a relationship with you. Just tell God. Maybe you're here and you're somebody that, man, you have started a relationship with God. You've maybe been following Jesus for a long time. And for you, you, again, wouldn't say it this way, but maybe you've gotten to a point where some of the basics, some of the fundamentals, you've just kind of, you kind of glaze by those instead of leaning into them. And as you look at your life, maybe in this moment, you would just kind of make a recommitment. God, I, I just want to lean into the basics. I want to lean into the fact that you love me, that you died for me, that you have changed me. I want to lean into the fact that you stand between Satan and God and you defend me. And God, I want to lean into this command that you've given me to love the way you loved. I don't want to graduate that. I don't have that down yet. And maybe for you, just in this moment, you would just repent and say, man, I've, I've, I've kind of felt like I've gotten past that, but I just need to lean back in. As the band plays here in a second, Matt and Corinne are down front. If today you just would like somebody to pray with you, if today you man, want to make a decision for Christ and want to talk to somebody about that, they're down front to, to talk with you. If you're here or you're watching online and you made a decision to follow Jesus, there's a decision slip right in front of you. If you're here in the room, if you're online, you can go to citywalk.cc and fill that decision card out. If you're here, you can just take it to the next steps table on your way out. God, I pray that you would remind us of the things that we never need to forget things that will continue to transform us for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.